Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Malrel, the Seven Dwarves, and we have part two of our interview with Deborah Corey from Debco HR Limited. Welcome one and all to another episode of The Kindness Project. <laughs> that was very intimate. It's like a very oh, hello. Hello. I was I was I was going for true true crime podcast, but I don't think I got there. Oh, Russell's popped up on the camera. Whoa. Welcome. Welcome, Russell, to the kindness project. We, were... we are we are really happy that you could join us in person. And how would you introduce it, Russ? Give us your give us your best intimate introduction to the podcast. Oh, welcome what? to the kindness project. What? Sorry, what has happened to your voice? It's gone down twelve octaves. Do it again. All right, Barry White, give it a, give it to me again. Oh, oh welcome to the kindness project. Hey, welcome. Uh-huh. I think every different kind of podcast oh. has like a different intro. Oh, you all to hear me on the phone when I'm talking to other people other than you. It's like, hello. <laughs> Do you put on a voice? I do. Do you? Do you, But the reality is, Russ, if they've heard you on the podcast, you, they know exactly what you sound like. They do. So give me your most. I don't want deep. I want gentle and tender and intimate. But Charlotte, show me how it's done. I don't do tender and intimate. And but we'll we'll try. We're trying. We're trying a new style this week. Oh, Charlotte's got <laughs> listeners. You can't see this, but Charlotte's got closer to her laptop. I want to just to give you the intimate feel. Welcome everyone to the Kindness Project. Right. My you leaned in. Why did you lean in? Right. My turn. Because you can't help leaning in when you listen. <laughs> My turn. Welcome. A very warm welcome to the Kindness Project. Now you're at home, Russ. That's not going to confuse people at all, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they know we're doing, we're testing out our intros. This is like the outtakes, isn't it? A very warm welcome to the Kindness Project. Oh, that's a bad, actually. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm joined today <laughs> by um, a man who has come as the milk tray man, all dressed in all black, and a, um, a girl who seems to be channeling her inner, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll get his reference, Andy Fanon, and has come dressed in bright orange. <laughs> it's Russ and Charlotte. How are we doing, Lady and Jen? I'm fine. Sorry, I, sorry, I got that wrong. I got that wrong. How are we doing, Lady and Jen? Wrong tone, but I like the effort. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, well, what's been happening in your life, Rose? Give us a bit of a breakdown since last time. I've become a freelancer. Go on. So I joined Fiverr. Okay. And to drum up a bit more work. Okay. And up works. You are a member, my friend, of the gig economy. Of the gig economy, yeah. And what gigs are you doing on, on Fiverr? Is I'm it voiceovers? Ad- is it sexy voiceovers? Yeah, it's not sexy voiceovers. It's not 70s. 70s I could do voiceovers. Eight. I don't know if I can do sexy voiceovers. I, could, I, might, I mean, if I had the time, I might start that as a bit of a sideline. Hi. Well, give me, give us your. If you, if somebody came to Russ and went, how much would you charge for a sexy voiceover? I'd say phone this guy and give him your number. <laughs> no, they said we've heard about you. We're from. Um, uh, oh, that's the other thing. We before the podcast, I was trying to persuade um, uh, Russ that he should get a PC again because his Mac just went yeah, to right, absolute okay. pieces. Um, so somebody, somebody from Apple phoned you and went, Russ, we're losing the war again, mate. Nobody wants a Mac because they're just so blinking unreliable. I, I, I don't think that's very likely. Well, no, that's, that's I theoretic. I likely Steve Jobs himself would phone me and say, there's some weird... I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. Exactly. Right, so they phone and they go, Russ, we need a... 
deep commanding sexy voice to promote Apple Macs. Give us your best shot. Go, Russ. We're all waiting. Why, Mac? A big Mac. A big Mac. You put him on the spot. I mean, if this was you, you need to have a script. He'd be in a little booth. Right. That's right. Right. There'd, be, there'd be all kinds of switches to make me sound better. I actually thought that were too bad. They'd pick their favourite and then they'd turn it up or tone it down. And I mean, we've got the time. We can let Russ do it four or five times. No. It would just all go out on the podcast. I ain't got the time now. <laughs> right, Matt. <laughs> that sounded like a threat. <laughs> Bye, Matt. Russ ain't got the time. Right, and Matt. <laughs> Uh, right, okay. So, apart from that, what is Flavour of the Month on charlottedames.com? Don't tell me you stop writing articles, Charlotte. No, I dropped one last week because I was extremely stressed about an exam. So, um, Why did I usually... you exam go? Well, okay, I think, but I usually write them uh, Thursday and then they go up Thursday night. But I had an exam Friday morning. Um, so I was like, I'm just gonna go to bed early. I'm just gonna go to bed early. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so that's clearly got to be the priority when you got exams. So what's the one this week? Haven't decided yet. Ah, okay. Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we should brainstorm. Question the podcast listeners: What should Charlotte write about this week? What about um, the that would be post? I've done loads of them. Have you? Yeah. Um, how about a post about mm, the need... post. zebras? Have you done one on zebras? What about, no, post done... about the post? Like the postal system? Like Royal Mail. That's tickling something on my brain. I might have done that already, but I don't know. I'll have to go back. <laughs> you could call it. Ross is tickling something in your brain. No, okay. the post. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done one on. See, I told you I shouldn't have got that deep voice. No, I'll tell you what you need to do. Do you remember that time we visited the... Because this is really niche, but this is sort of right up your sort of niche street. Do you remember that time we visited the Mao Rao and we went in that little train, which basically... I wonder where we're going at. Oh, it's brilliant, Russ. It's absolutely brilliant. Effectively, there's miles and miles and miles of train lines under London that were only I've used. I've played it on a yeah. program I watch about the underground. Yeah. yeah. So, definitely, why don't you write about the Mao Rao? And, and I, they don't use it anymore, do they? Why no. don't they use it anymore? Because everything's Digitally. Well, I I suppose the demand for post has slumped, hasn't it? It's all parcels and stuff now. So they probably don't need the capacity as much. But yeah. So, so yeah, I think you should um, write your next one on the mail rail. Raz, are you up for that? Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah. Charlotte, you've got to write it. What do you mean we'll see what happens? We've just decided for you. Made your life easier. Mel Rao it is, yeah? <laughs> is that a no? I'll think about it. Okay. I'll do some Googling yeah. and see if it interests me. And have you got any more mugs for Mug of the Week? No. <laughs> no. Oh, I do have one on the way, though. Um, oh, go on. It's, it's a plain white mug, and it's got little patterns of raccoons on it. Ooh. Okay. You've got, yeah. you've got a raccoon mug on its way. That is lovely yeah. to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what, why don't you do the next um, article on raccoons? Have you done anything on raccoons yet? I have, yeah. Oh. Rush, do you remember that TV show about raccoons? I'm losing the will to live here. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? No, there was a kid's TV show. It was on Saturday mornings. Oh. About, you do not remember that amazing... Do you remember Thundercats? Do you remember Thundercats? Thundercats. Oh, that is amazing. Do you remember He-Man? 
Yeah, I remember He-Man. I remember He-Man. How could I forget He-Man when I was 15 and moved out of there, I still had E-Man wallpaper. <laughs> what? What, in your new place? Have you got E-Man <laughs> wallpaper now, Russ? Did you keep it as a souvenir? Don't get to stand in bedroom much, but on no. my there's E-Man wallpaper. Yeah, I thought you had Teletubbies wallpaper in your bedroom. That's what you'd uh, you'd graduated to. What, Tinky Winky, La La and Pugs? And Dipsy. I mean, the fact, the fact that both of you, as adults, <laughs> know all of the Teletubbies' names. Yes, is, oh, it's not that complicated. I can't decide whether it's deeply impressive or deeply embarrassing. I'm going for impressive. I characters from Panamori as well. Well, we had a little quiz night yesterday, Russ. That was so bad. And uh, we had a we did a virtual escape room, and did then we had a little watch quiz night. Eurovision. No, I I am not. I'm I've never been into Eurovision. Did you? No, no, wait, no. I watched, did you watch it though? I watched it up until Match of the Day come on, and then I watched Match of the Day. Fair enough. Okay, so. Here's the quiz question that um, we had a little bit of a Disney quiz. Um, what does Akuna Matata mean, by the way? Akuna Matata? Yeah. yeah. Have a nice day. The song, Moving on. Moving on. The song, Raz. The song. Akuna Matata. Yeah, what does it, it mean? It means... It means... It's literally the lyrics of the song. Hakuna Matata, it means. Yeah, what does it mean? Have a nice day. Um, no worries, it means, Russ. Right, All question number two. Days. So far, you are failing this Disney exam badly. I'm, how I'm many? How many of the seven dwarves can you name? Ah. Tinky Winky. Tinky Tinky Winky, Dipsy Lala and Poe. There was Doc. Doc. Who was the guy with the... I can see him in my mind. I just you can't say pickaxe. They all had pickaxes. Oh, no, 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 no. Just let him, let him finish. Let him finish, Charlotte. Oh, what is coming is... Dopey. Sorry? <laughs> there was Dopey, wasn't there? Why are you looking at me when you say that? Right, there was Dopey. Yeah, Doc, Dopey. No, it, uh, I'm not good at this. Have a guess. Uh, just have a guess for our entertainment. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Now, have, have one guess. Doc, Dopey. Oh, no, no, no. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> Tell me where they're called. Sneezing. Sleepy. Oh, yeah, Sleepy. Bashful. Bashful. Yeah. Steve. No. That's Patty. the one nobody talks about. No, Steve. Happy. Grumpy. Alan. No. Alan. No. Don't. Alan. Don't. Andrew. No. And Susan is the one is the one they, they've recently added. There's I'm sure actually this eight is a wind-up. What? I'm sure this is a wind-up. It is. He's winding you up. What? Sorry, don't insult Susan, the new dwarf, all right? That is out of order. On that note, let's move on to the next part of the show. That is... Time to snooze. Right, would you like to do... Um, actually, I'll do the first one. You can um, you can do the second one. This is not in an edition of Time to Snooze. Modern school where children treat each other with kindness and send itself around. Children with special needs are included in the classroom and it has been noted that children are happy to be at school. A primary school in Nottingham has been rated good by Oxford after being judged to require improvement eight years ago. Highbank Primary School, which continues to improve, is located on Winscombe Mountain Clifton. It was concluded that in 2015 the school required improvements. Um, but in 2017, received a good Ofsted judgment. How old is this, Russ? Well, it's been it's been updated recently. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, Five Bank Zig event Lee Noble said, I'm delighted that school, our children and our dedicated staff have been recognised in such a positive light in our Ofsted report. Um, our collaborative approach and commitment as a team has created a learning environment that our parents can be truly proud of. Inspectors work with a well-organised and re relevant curriculum, um, and by the time children leave key stage two, they have a good attainment and uh, writing in maths. Um, it's note that children are happy at school, and um, yeah, it, it, it's been doing really well. And the value of treating each other with kindness, I think is really important for schools. Actually, when we launched the book, we had a couple of teachers attend the book launch that I um, got lucky enough to chat to. Um, and they did share the Kindness Project book in their schools, because I think that value of kindness um, is best embedded when you're young. You know, if you teach kids that, you know, it's got to be a, you know, we all win more when it's a culture of collaboration, working together and helping each other out, then um, that's the place to start. And these teachers were really keen on making sure that um, we could do that uh, as much as possible. When I was I was over the moon, I was really, really happy that a couple of the books found its way into um, uh, staff rooms of schools. So we are hoping that that's gonna that's gonna continue. Would you like us? Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about um, news article two, Charlotte? Mm -hmm. Family. Oh no, I'm going to butcher this surname. Oh no. Of Stefan Klubin Slard. No. Campaign for kindness on what would have been his 17th birthday. The family of a teenage boy who died after being bullied are encouraging people to carry out acts of kindness on what would be his 17th birthday today. Emma and Tristan have already set the ball rolling by giving 15 cards with small sums of cash to strangers in Westgate on sea. The 15 represents their son Stefan's age when he died last year, and each card has letters explaining the cause. Uh, Stefan was um, committed suicide after being picked on for being autistic, but a coroner. Oh no, they couldn't rule suicide? <laughs> At the inquest, uh, his dad said Stefan was a kind and gentle soul who would himself show acts of kindness, like buy a cup of coffee to someone who was homeless. We had to bury him six, uh, three days before his 16th birthday. We want to do this today in his memory and encourage others to make a gesture to spread a bit of kindness to others to make their day better. The gesture can be as small and simple as paying someone a compliment or recognising a friendship. The family put out the appeal today on Facebook with the hashtag be kind. Love that. You know, you know what? It's so difficult as well uh, in periods of extreme adversity, like losing a child. To, to I mean, I've got to speak to somebody about this. Um, it's exactly uh, what I was going to say. Yeah, cool. Uh, it seems a lot of foundations and them sort of things are born out of out of tragedy rather than well it's a way of generating a, create a positive legacy out of something so tragic isn't it um and particularly when you've gone through that sort of pain the easy the easy thing to do is go you know the world is at fault the difficult thing to do is to say how do we positively change the world to make it a better place um and it's it's just inspiring to see parents do that. I mean, I know one um, one interview we've got coming up is um, from one of the founders of the Felix Project, which uh, feed millions of people in the UK with food that uh, would go to waste otherwise. Um, uh, and yeah, it just does amazing work. And that came from uh charlotte hill and her husband losing their son so it's like how do you take that tragedy and turn it into something so amazing i absolutely you know, I've, I've, you know 
my admiration goes out to people like that because it, it's got to be challenging. You'd never know that unless you went through it, would you? Yeah, yeah, and you wouldn't you wouldn't wish that on anybody, would you? No. But well done for people who have managed to turn something tragic into to something so positive. I love it. Next, we've got uh, Deborah Corey, second part of uh, the interview with Deborah. Deborah is um, somebody I know really well. We do a, a decent work together and is somebody who really gets encouraging kindness in the workplace. So let, let's listen to part two of Deborah's interview. I had written a book on company values right before the pandemic. And it was about how you use your company values to support your people. And a couple months into the pandemic, I was like, man, I wish I had waited to write this book because people are just living their values in such amazing ways, how they're supporting their people, even how they're supporting their customers. And yeah. I just think we did great things. Unfortunately, there's some companies who are taking a step back and going back to how we were before the pandemic. I think... Hopefully that's the minority and the majority have learned the lessons embracing and continuing because it, it makes such a huge difference. I think particularly in the UK, we're going through a bit of an interesting stage at the minute, right? Because the we are in a particularly competitive economy in terms of attracting the right people. And my sort of my feeling on it and sort of what I've read is that the firms that are winning are the firms that are encouraging and embracing more flexible working and 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 these sort of things that we that the pandemic probably fast forwarded it a, a bit I, I, I suppose that i suppose the counter side to that is how do we maintain connection human connection in a world where we're all working from home what are your thoughts on that yeah, I, you know, you have to do it differently. Obviously, yeah. you have to do it differently. And I think part of the reasons why people are saying it's not working when it doesn't work is that, you know, we think that we can, I don't know, for example, have a meeting, a hybrid meeting in the same way that you did when everyone was sitting around the table. And, you know, no surprise what happens is the people who are calling in are ignored. So, you know, the great thing is, is that so much new technology is out there to support us doing it. But you have to use the technology and think about how can I bring this person into the conversation? How can we how can we brainstorm on a virtual, you know, board as opposed to a board in the room? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is a different mindset. And to me, the companies that get it are the ones who are understanding when does it make sense that you all need to be sitting around a table? And when does it make sense where, you know, like with you guys with the podcast, you you can do it when you're when we're not all in the room. It works absolutely fine. But if maybe we're getting to the point where you know you guys want to brainstorm on where the podcast is going to go in the future, you want to be in the same room. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Even four day work weeks, it's the same thing. You know, well, four day work weeks are going to work when you think about how can you run your business in four days as opposed to five days. It's not yeah. just you don't just turn the switch on and all of a sudden everything's going to work. You're going to set everyone up for failure instead of success. Yeah. Yeah, but that how question is the big one, isn't it? How can we make it work as opposed to it's not going to as the presumption because then you're not you're not going to get anywhere anywhere on it. Um, I suppose apart from buy the book, clearly everybody uh, everybody should buy the book. Deborah. I mean that's that goes without saying. But for for people who are running businesses and are responsible for people in their businesses. What tips would you provide for those individuals who want to get a bit better at appreciating their teams? Yeah, I'm all about making life simple. So I have a um, an acronym that I use all the time, and I call them the four golden rules or the four things that we must do. And I've got such bad memory. Must, um, each of the rules is a different letter of the word must. So it's things like um, make it meaningful. So we talked a little bit about this before, make it meaningful to the individual. You know, like my bowl of soup, that was meaningful to them. If I gave someone else a bowl of soup, they might think that's what I'm getting, a bowl of soup. Yeah. Um, so make it meaningful, make it, um, the U stands for unified and inclusive. You know, too often we don't think about how we can actually create the haves and have nots. 
So six people on the team did a great job. You call one person out and you recognize them. What about the five people you pissed off? What can you do to make it more inclusive so everyone can feel appreciated? Um, S is putting it under the spotlight. So sharing it with others, showcasing it, using it as a, as a learning moment. You know, Charlotte did this amazing job on this podcast. She taught us all A, B, and C. Let's celebrate it and let's learn from it. So put it under the spotlight. And then the last one is T, which is timely. So, you know, if I had made the soup for these guys a week later, yeah. yeah, would not have had the impact of doing it in the moment. So think about the four golden rules, short and M-U-S-T. sweet. M-U-S-T, love absolutely. Must, love four that. things you must do. I absolutely love that. Um, and I know you've written a lot as well about values. Mm. Um, and I, I've been through a, I've been through a bit of a journey with you. <laughs> I sound like I'm an expert to contest. Oh, I've, been, I've been through a bit of a journey <laughs> with values because when I used to work with corporates, mm-hmm. values were one of those things that I used to look at the wall and go, mm. yes, yep. that's nice, but it's meaningless to me. All the way through to running my own business for the last 12 years and realizing actually how everything we do is driven by the values of the people who run the business. And the, not only values being a motivator for me for when I get up in the morning and go, right, well, what am I what am I doing that has real purpose? But also um attracting the right people to work with us, working with the right clients and staff and values being uh, fundamentally important. So can you share an insight into values for me in, in terms of, number one, I suppose, how to make them meaningful for those large organisations and um, how we can encourage, I suppose there's three questions in one. Number one, how to make them meaningful. Number one, how we can encourage each other uh, to share our values and be true to ourselves. But also number three, in smaller businesses like mine where it's easily managed, right, how do bigger businesses actually integrate values into what they do in a way that's effective and powerful? All right, you're going to have to help me remember all those questions. I told you I've got a bad memory. So um, first of all, the, the key, as you said, is first of all, having the right values. And um, it was interesting because when I wrote my book, what I did is I, I, I remember doing this exercise. I'm very geeky and analytical. You know me. I like spreadsheets. And I looked at like the top 100 companies or something like that. And then I put all of their values. I wrote the company name and then I did their values. And it was if I had covered the company's names, I wouldn't have known what values they had. And, interesting. That's, and that's because they were very generic. They weren't specific to the company. They weren't unique. They weren't meaningful. Um, you know, values are supposed to help you today. And also, I like to think of them as taking you to the next planet. And yeah. for that reason, you need to have ones that that work for you. Whether you're like my company is me, and I yeah. still have values. Yeah. Um, and I probably have values that no one else has because I've got values that are going to help me, as you said, motivate me, but also keep me on course. You know, I think of values on that rocket ship taking you to the planet. So my values are open the door to possibilities and create magic because I'm all about, as a rebel, all about challenging the status quo and not saying no, but looking at opportunities and creating magic is doing it in new and innovative ways. And that's what you want your values to do, that you want them as a reminder and you also want them to push you to the next level. And that's why I said during the pandemic, I, 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 I shared stories because people were just embracing their values. You, the second part was, what do you do to make sure that you use them? The title of my book is Bringing Your Values Out to Play, because that's what you need to do. You know, I like to picture your values as, you know, like balls in a ball pit, and you're throwing them at each other all the time. Okay, how are you going to open the door to possibilities? How are you going to create magic? And, you know, like during the pandemic, to me, for me, they helped me pivot and figure out what I was going to do. You know, I was scheduled to, my book had just come out. I was scheduled to, you know, tour the the world doing talks. Now I couldn't do it. How do I open the door to possibilities? Okay. I am going to do tons of webinars. Um, I'm going to like volunteer to help people in this crazy time. So, you know, that part about what can you do to, to keep them alive is really just embed them and weave them into everything you do. And from a people perspective, But even a business perspective, some of the best examples I have are of companies who they use them in the boardroom 
They make tough decisions. You know, one company I interviewed, they, um, they have a website where they help teachers teach and they've got tools and everything. And during the pandemic, they're like, you know what? All of a sudden parents have to teach. We want to give them the tools to do it, but parents don't know how to teach. So we're going to have to completely revamp our entire website, all of our tools. They didn't charge, you know, any money for it, but it was the right thing to do because it aligned yeah. with their mission, their purpose, and their values. That's a long yeah. answer. I absolutely love that. Um, and and there, there, there's a third question that I want to come okay. to. The one, one, one thing, one thing that's really interesting to me is in the work that that like so not not the podcast, which is basically a hobby that's got out of control. I've got to be honest, <laughs> I love it, but yeah. that, that's all it is. But in the day job, I'm doing. I'm writing the. The, the, after now we've written the kindness project book i'm working on a, a book called uh what happens next and it's all going to be around that transition away from full-time career to the next stage of your life because as you know i work with a lot of people in their 50s mm -hmm. who are thinking about what's next in their life i don't think you can do that without do that as well as you can without being clear about purpose and values because they're the motivators they're the drivers that are at the core of everything you do isn't it you know and it goes back to your why so why yeah. are you doing it so i'm like that there's a book by charles handy called second curve and and it talks exactly about that how do you get to that next curve and to me you know it was all about okay why am i doing it you know why am i leaving corporate why am yeah. I moving yeah. to this next next step in my my journey? So absolutely. It always well, Simon Sinek's book, I use the term all the time. Start with called, why. Yeah. It always yeah. starts with why. Absolutely. And and you're going back to values. Your values is your 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 well, the mission is your why, and your values are how are you going to get to that why? Well, I'm I'm putting second curve on my list as we speak. I'll 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 give that uh I'll give that a watch. So He's British. He, I think Charles Handy teaches at Oxford still, so you, you can interview him for your book. Bad. Good stuff. Um, so, if you could like magically fix, um, are you laughing? <laughs> I just said no. I'm not laughing. I'm just like I, 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 I You know what the format is. I know. I, I don't know. like to. Hello. Charlotte's a rebel, Deborah. She doesn't like to go for the conventional question. She likes to change it. You know, I love I love that you're different personalities. My book that I wrote, Rebel Playbook, I wrote it with my CEO, and we were like that completely different personalities. And anytime we'd be interviewed, it was hilarious. The the person <laughs> interviewing us would be going back and forth between the two. You know, you know what? I think I think I mean it helps. It definitely helps with the I mean, we don't normally interview like this. Do we? We're normally either in different places, or I do the interviews, mm. and Charlotte doesn't. So it's amazing yeah. to, to, to. But like, I I like that the questions give structure, but I sometimes don't like how you word your questions, I so I want I to change them on the fly. Please feel free, take it away, do what you need to. Um, but it's the same question at heart, you know. Uh, so if you could like magically fix one thing about the orthodox way employers work with their teams, what would be sort of the one thing you can fix? And if there's maybe not one specific thing, like you can talk about more than one. Yeah, um, I, I, you're right. I do have more than one. Um, so the first one is we sort of talked about this before. It's about this concept of you jump to one way of doing things. So, and that to me, that's being orthodox. You've got one solution, one way of doing it. And if I had a magic wand, it would be just to break things up in pieces. So like, I just, we spoke about it before the call. I just came out with my new branding and it was really important. My branding, I wanted it to come across that I don't just do one thing. Life would be a lot easier if I just did one thing. I do lots of different things. So my branding is all about little pieces, almost like mosaic pieces. Yeah. To reflect all the different things. And I sort of think of people as mosaic pieces also. We're all different shapes. We're all different colors. And there should not be one way. So I guess that's a, the first part of my, my magic wand. And the second one is um, about not being afraid to, uh, what is that expression? Color outside of the lines. I think sometimes we, it's sort of related. Sometimes we think that you have to do things nice and neat. And I'm like you, Charlotte. I love structure. But uh, so I like to have my structure first, 
but then I love going outside of the lines and, and yeah, like, yeah, and blur it together and things like that. So yeah, those would those would be my two. Well, I've imagined that's ones. where the magic happens as well, right? You Absolutely. Know, not, like, it's that bit outside the lines, where, which is the it, is the interesting thing. I suppose like if, because I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll get plenty of sort of business owners and leaders listening to to, to this podcast because we get emails. Uh, letting us know the the sort of people do. Help me understand a little bit about how you have this mosaic approach to what you do, <laughs> but you communicate it in a way that's direct enough to to make sure that the people you're talking to get it. Yeah, and it, it is a challenge. And you know, I've had a lot of practice in that. You know, doing what I've done for for a living from an HR perspective. There's lots of little pieces. And yeah. to me, it has to, that's why I spend some time on branding. It has to come together under one theme. So some companies, for example, from a people perspective, have an EVP, so an employee value proposition. So it's creating that one center, that target in the middle that you can clearly and easily explain, um, and then having everything else aligned to it. And that's where I think using you know your expression before, that's where the magic happens. If you start doing things that don't align, um, I'll give you a perfect example. I, I worked for a company and I was reviewing their benefit programs and their, their, their values and their culture was all about one team. You know, earlier, Charlotte, you said like, you know, your generation, doesn't matter what job title you are, you support everyone. And that was what we were like. We we're like, okay, I don't care if you're the CEO or you're the cleaner, we're all the same. But yet when I looked at our benefits, it was very much, you know, if you're this level you get this many days of holiday if you're that level you get this yeah, if you've been here for three years you get this many holidays and i said you know what there's no alignment whatsoever we all get the same number of holidays because i went back to the core of what is a holiday a holiday is to give you time to rest rejuvenate so why should one person get it differently than the other person so yeah, that's really that's not an eager eager tell Egalitarian? No, that's not <laughs> yeah, utilitarian structure. That's hierarchical in nature, isn't it? But yeah. that's how we used to do it. So, and that's why I think, you know, going back to, I think we talked about earlier about how does the world change? We need to start thinking about how is the world different now? And, and you know, there I, are some I things think, that are levels based, but not everything. I, 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 yeah, I, I, it's really interesting. I, I remember doing a bit of work years ago now where, um, uh, we got called in. We were we were doing some work for a sort of London-based law firm, and they and and law. I mean, again, law firms have gone through, particularly in London, have had to change because nobody commutes anymore, and law law firms are fairly traditional. Mm. They want people in the office. They've had to change the way that they do things as well. This particular law firm was we were helping them, funny enough, look at, look at their benefits package. Um, and they said, "Well, we're not we're not retaining the people we're looking to mm. retain." Yeah. Um, I said, "Well, talk to me about that." And I said, "Well, we're looking to, to sort of create this level playing field." So we wanted to um, encourage, uh, and we we want to incentivize young law professionals, twenty and thirty year olds, to come and join the firm. It's like, great. So what did you do? Um, and they said, well, we put this private medical plan in place, state of the art, you know, market leading, spent loads of money on it. Um, and I was like, great. OK, let me take a look at the numbers around that and see see how that works. And effectively, what had happened is the five senior partners yep. who were all in their 50s um, uh, said this would be something that be might benefit us. Um, uh, they'd used it. Um, and, and it was paid for by the company, but the tax liability sat on every single individual in the business. And what it meant was that these 20 and 30-year-olds were paying for private medical cover they never used. It was all used by the guys who, who were in the sort of sit, uh, in the senior partnership positions. And I, I just, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a really basic question, but we, I went in and said, right, okay, what did you, what did you do when you? sort of decided that this was going to be a good thing to do. I mean, oh, we just mm. went, spoke to the employee benefits consultant and, and implemented it. I said, so you didn't do, you didn't ask. You didn't, you didn't like do an employee benefit, like an yeah. uh, employee survey to see whether this is something that, I went, no, we probably, 
<laughs> we probably should have done. And it's sometimes that, I suppose it, that, because it's decision-making in the bubble is the problem, isn't it? In yeah, if you go back to the whole concept of kindness, to me, kindness is listening. You know, yeah. you, you can't show kindness if you don't know what people want. And you just made me smile because I remember with one client, I did a, uh, a benefits review project and we did a survey, but then I did focus groups and I gave everybody um, three pieces of paper and they got to write, uh, I'm sorry, I gave them three yeses and one blank piece of paper. And as I went through all the different benefit programs, they, they could vote on which of the ones that meant the most to them. And then they had almost like a freebie. So what is the one thing that you wish we had? And it surprised me the types of things that they they wanted. And I never would have thought of it if I hadn't sat down with them. And actually, I ended up putting in place um, a wellness allowance because they wrote it in lots of different ways. But everybody wanted like, you know, I don't know, a gym membership. One guy wanted free haircuts. Somebody else wanted um a, a new bike and all these different things. And I ended up putting in a, a, a well-being allowance because there was one, not one way to do it. And it's interesting because I, I was just reading um, an article just yesterday saying that now 43% of companies offer some type of well-being allowance. So I, I, I sort of feel like I was a trendsetter when we, uh, oh, when we did that five years ago. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's question? me. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, um, so... I know you spoke a bit about this in answering the last question, but what do you think kindness means to you? Um, I think it's all about, uh, I'm not going to do the Aretha Franklin song, Respect, but I think it's all about respect. Respecting, we talked about it a little bit before, who I am, what I specifically need. You know, if someone just takes the time to understand me, to, to listen to me, to give me a voice um, and support me, I think it's all of those types of things wrapped up. But if I had to pick one word, I think respect would probably bring it all together. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think I think the being understood. Mm. Um, so I, th I suppose the other thing then is for people who are working in organisations where they're responsible for the sort of care of their staff, what what skills do you think they need to be able to make sure they can do that better? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the emotional intelligence. And, you know, you talked about can people change? I have to say, when I was a manager for the first time, I had no emotional intelligence whatsoever, <laughs> which is why it's great that I write and talk about it now. So much so that when, um, in my defense, first time I was a manager, I moved from the U.S. to the U.K. So I had the cultural problem thrown in there too but it was such a problem that I think after my first couple of months someone on my team pulled me aside and said that they have a Deborah Corey support group where once a week they get together and talk about how I made them cry so um and I had no idea I was doing this so but you know if I can develop emotional intelligence anybody, anyone, can. anybody can so I think it's just trying to get those softer skills to help you have that that empathy. And if you're like Charlotte and I who like structure and everything, you know, there's lots of structured ways to do it. Um, you know, it doesn't have to just be the touchy-feely, but you can have some structure behind it. But it's really just having those types of skills. Even the, the, the skill of listening, it is a skill. Uh, one company I interviewed for a, a book, they had a program called the Shut Up and Listen program to Not encourage their managers to just shut up and listen. They named it. Um, I don't think it was officially named that. That was the unofficial name of, of, yeah. of it. But yeah, to do that as well. Yeah, just, but it's interesting. I mean, I, th I think when I think about it, the skills that I've had to develop yeah. that have been most valuable to me personally, uh, if, I, if you asked me in my 20s, it would have been... Um, the ability to communicate so the Absolutely. ability the ability to communicate i think in my 40s empathy and curiosity are the skills that i'm most proud of developing today and it's an interesting transition isn't it in terms of yeah but i think that's a part of it so um my second book i wrote the um it's called the the rebel playbook and in it we listed um what we call the leadership traits now, keep in mind, this is us going out to our people where we worked at the time. And we yeah. said to you, what does 
a leader look like. So it might be different at your company, but it was things like communicating openly and honestly. Um, it's about owning your mistakes. They wanted us to own our mistakes and be human. Appreciation, we talked about that. Trusting your people, you know, how often do we not trust our people and all it does is show them that they're not respected. Caring for your people. This one surprised us. Make the right decision, not necessarily the popular decision, but the but the right decision and to um inspire your people. So, you know, it's these days, I do think in, in manager and leader's defense, it's harder than it ever was because before we just managed the technical side. And now all of a sudden we have so much more to do. But I guess for me, I find it so much more rewarding. You know, you get to know your people in a way that you never did before. Oh, yeah, the, the dynamic yeah. of relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and potentially way more rewarding in a way that yeah. wasn't before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if it's not for you, the nice thing is a lot of organizations, and I've done this myself, is you you design different career paths because there might yeah. be some people who just say, you know what, I just like my. You just want to code, you know. Yeah. You just want to do spreadsheets. That's fine, um, and admit it. You know, there's nothing wrong yeah. with admitting that it's it might not be the 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 right thing for you. Yeah, I just want to get my head down. That's where my sweet spot is, right? You know, that's that's where it is. What um what tips would you give? So we've talked about the tips that you you might provide in for somebody who was looking to appreciate their uh, people more, mm-hmm. and you can tell Deborah, I've got my pen in hand for this because this is going to be useful for my next book. <laughs> um, how do how do we help people bring their values at to play not only in the workplace but in life? Um, I like. Um, sort of a metaphor and a visual thing. So for me, I picture your values as the glasses that you have and the lens that you look through. So, you know, my value of create magic, that's a value. And every time I'm speaking to you or I'm working on a project, I think about how can I create magic? Um, So think of it as a lens or, you know, I've got stickers all over the place, that type of thing, whatever you can do. And I think if you use it as a lens, you might not get it right all the time, but at least it's a starting point. Yeah, to, I love that. That, right. that. that that way to frame the world, isn't it? You know, it's that what, what goes through when you're perceiving the world, what, yeah. what filters Absolutely. you put on to, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and lastly, but definitely not least, where can people find out a little bit more about you, the work you do? What's the best way to connect? Um, I've got my website, which has not been rebranded yet, depending on when you listen to this. Um, and I've got um, free resources that people can download to, to help you with some of the different topics. I've got blogs. And it's um, quite simple, debcohr.com. Fab. Superb. Thank you so much for sharing your magic with us today. We really appreciate oh, it. Yeah, no, thanks. I love the dynamics of you guys. And uh Thanks. I can see the kindness between you both, but there you go. Thank you very Good much. Stuff. Thank you so much. Right. Take care. Next, we've got uh, Deborah Corey, second part of uh, the interview with Deborah. Deborah is um, somebody I know really well. We do a decent work together and is somebody who really gets encouraging kindness in the workplace. So let, let's listen to part two of Deborah's interview. Yeah, um, and then, as Tis we the always end. finish, I've gone in, sorry. Tis the end of another podcast. The end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely she's new. Really, she's really doubling down on the voice today. Tis the end. It wasn't intentional. It, it, well, I mean, you could have done it with a lot more reviews, and you chose not to. And I can chose, do that if you want me to. You chose to keep the nighttime DJ voice. I'm just um, feeling that vibe right now. I'm in a really calm place. I'm really in a calm place, so I'm just feeling that. Feeling calm? How are you yeah. feeling, Max? <laughs> How are you feeling? How are you doing? I feel fine. You know you, what I'm also You feeling? look like you got, I've just about to head up the wall. This is like one of them calling shows. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel fine. You know what I feel, I'm also feeling? 
I'm feeling that their joke is unlikely to be very funny, but you I'm can feeling tell like me. laughing. <laughs> I, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like even if it is funny, I'll pretend it won't I be. I thought you were going to say chicken tonight, then. <laughs> um, I'm feeling, Russ, that you might laugh at this joke, even if it's really bad. Yeah, that's the format. Go for it, Charlotte. Go that's for it, Charlotte. Why did the shopping cart go to therapy? Because it was Don't tired Why being did... pushed around. Have you seen the Tesco ever where the shopping cart pulls the fire and the home with the sausages? I like that. I like that advert. While like... Charlotte finds another joke to redeem itself, can I just say, I really like that advert. The one that really freaks me out is the Tesco one where the woman's face changes into some sort of contorted mess. Have you seen that I one? I haven't seen that one. It's really... It's got snaps, so I've got the power as the, as no, the thing. That. Look it up. It'll be on YouTube somewhere. Uh, I'll I just that. find I'll it a bit strange because it's like... It's not a... Like, She's shocked about how much savings she's making, but the face that they've used just is a bit... I don't get it. But the, the one with the shopping cart, I really like. I think that's I quite that good. I thought that was quite funny, that one. Charlotte, are you going to go for another joke? <laughs> yeah. Go on. She's, she's found a good one. We want your Bears late night DJ voice. Go on. It, it may not be funny because it's... But I, I think it's funny. Here we go. I poured root beer in a square glass. Now I just have beer. <laughs> it's not bad. It's good actually quite good. Good. good man for joke. And on that note, my friends, have a lovely day. Have a lovely evening. Whatever you're choosing to do with the rest of your life, <laughs> enjoy it. And we'll see you on the kindness projects goodbye all very soon bye